morning. Can somebody shout hallelujah? Praise God. Praise God. Amen. God is so worthy and deserving of the highest praise. Yes, amen. Amen. We say it a lot, but God's been better to us than we've been to ourselves. Amen. God, God has been better to me than I, so much better to me than I could ever deserve. Right. Amen. Amen. He found some of us in those really dark places. And people come or they see us selling the job or out there at the store. Amen. I'd say in the restaurant, but you can't go in. But they see us and they look, man, you guys got it all together. If they only knew. Where Jesus brought us from. Right, amen. 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 And I pray they can experience it for themselves. Praise God. God is so good. Good this morning to see everybody in the house of the Lord. Yes. And it's good to be able to be in the house of the Lord with the Lord of the house. Yes, amen. Amen. And uh, it is just such an honor and delight to get to meet brother tracy's father sean moran he's here this morning just an honor to have you with us praise god god bless you and of course janet amen she's she's my preaching partner over there when she's here i'm so good to see you with us again this morning and uh, awesome lady right here and uh, you know tracy brags about you guys he loves you very much and uh, i'm sure it's reciprocated and we love Brother Tracy and his family. Amen. Amen. Tonight, uh, Brother Tracy is going to be preaching. And uh, I'm excited to hear what God is going to give us and use him to give us tonight. Amen. Also good to have all the way, probably came the furthest, further than anyone else came to church this morning. He comes all the way from, I believe, Australia, Sydney, Australia. Good to have Jack here this morning. Amen. God bless you. Honored to have you. He is uh, a baseball player going to college at Cal State, playing baseball there. And he is um, a roommate with uh, Brother Nick. And so they've got something in common. They play baseball. Amen. And that's all, that's all right. And we're just honored to have you with us. And amen. And um, I've, I've been on a winning baseball team, and I've been on a losing baseball team. And because uh, and I, I used to love to play baseball. But uh, I'm thankful that I'm on God's team now, and we always win. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I've been on a first-place team, went to the All-Star game, and that was followed up by being on a team that didn't win a single game in a, a, seat in a, in a, a league game all season long. And uh, it was no fun. Well, actually, it was probably more fun that way because we knew we, were, we had nothing to lose. Everything they gained, so we actually probably had more fun than the team that was in first place. But uh, anyway, it's good to have you, Jack. God bless you. Just make yourself at home. We just love the Lord around here. Amen. On Tuesday night, we had a men's prayer, and it was such a powerful move of the Lord. And the Spirit of the Lord was moving and moved in my spirit. And uh, I know I, I, I taught, I really should say preached, I think, at our leadership a week ago Saturday. And I preached about wholeness last Sunday morning. But I, I, I'm still in that same vein, and God was ministering and speaking to my spirit on Tuesday night. And I, and I want to 
I want God to, 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 to share this morning and minister to somebody what he was ministering unto me on Tuesday night. This has been on my heart all week for this service. And I, I feel like I really believe when I feel this way, God has a specific word for somebody. I, I don't know who it is this morning, and I, I, you know, I don't call people out. We don't this, that we don't really do that around here. But I believe God's dealing with with somebody's heart, or wants to deal with somebody's heart this morning, because God has something very special for you, whoever you might be today. I believe God came this morning to help somebody. Is that all right? And if it's not for anybody else, I'll just going to say, then I'll receive it for myself today. Praise God. So we're going to go to the Bible and the book of Luke in the New Testament. One of the four Gospels. Book of Luke, chapter 6. Luke was a physician. He was in the medical field. And since we're going to talk about a miracle, miraculous healing, a miracle of God, and this is also recorded in Matthew, it's also recorded in Mark, this same story, almost word for word, same story, different writers, but we're going to go to the physician to talk about the miracle, is that okay? Luke chapter number ten, uh, 6, excuse me, verse number 6, and it came to pass also on another Sabbath. Now Jesus has returned to Capernaum. He's just entered the city of Capernaum. He's actually come back. I'm thankful that God's willing to go out of his way for me and he'll even come back. If you didn't get it last week, guess what? God's here this week. Oh, man. That he entered into the synagogue and taught. And there was a man whose right hand was withered. His right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him, whether he would heal on the Sabbath day, that they might find an accusation against him. What sick-minded people that is that... This is the Sabbath, the day of, that's supposed to be holy unto the Lord, not to work on the Sabbath. No. And they're going to get mad if Jesus heals somebody at church. I'm thankful we don't have a church that gets mad when people receive a blessing. But Jesus knew their thoughts. And he said to the man which had the withered hand, rise up. And stand forth in the midst. And he arose and stood forth. It's always important to do what God asks you to do. It was said Wednesday night, never fear what God has in store for you. Don't be afraid of the blessing of God. Because God has the, the purest motives for your life. God has no evil, no, there's no evil in him. There's no guile in him. There's no evil thought. There's no evil motive with God. 
I know a lot of people that have evil motives towards me. And I know the devil has a real evil motive towards all of us. But God, there's, there's no guile in him. He's perfect. He's pure. He's holy. So this man just trusts Jesus because Jesus says, hey, come here. Stand here, right here in the middle of the group here. Yes, sir. And then said Jesus unto them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath days to do good or to do evil? To save life or to destroy it? And looking round upon, about upon them all, Jesus said unto the man, Stretch forth thy hand. And he did so. And his hand was restored whole. Everybody say whole. As the other. Praise God. I, I feel this morning to title this message today. Stretch forth thy hand. Stretch forth thy hand. I'm asking the church right now if you would help me pray. And ask God to talk to us and minister to us for the few, next few minutes in this house this morning. God, we need you to move. We need you to speak to us. God, I need your anointing. I'm nothing without you, but we can do all things to Christ. God, I pray that you would give us ears to hear what thus saith the word of God this morning. And God, I pray that you would minister, that your Holy Ghost power would move in a mighty way in this house. Let a spirit of restoration sweep through this place. I pray it in the name of Jesus. And let everyone say amen. 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 God bless you. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord this morning. Stretch forth thy hand. The story is always a story behind the story. We find a man with a withered hand, he comes to church. It's always a good place to come when you have a need in your life. And there are some that theologians and writers of the day reference this story. In a lot of commentary, you can read Matthew Henry's commentary and on and on. And you can read a lot of uh, people. But many, many uh, writers, or some at least, believe that this man with the withered hand that was there could perhaps have been... A, a stonemason or a man that worked with his hands. It, it was a work, stonemasonry was a work that required the use of, of both hands. And therefore, the fact that something had caused his hand uh, to wither, to shrink, to uh, the Greek word literally means to atrophy, um, something had to happen to this man's hand where, that caused him to lose the ability to work in his profession or to work effectively in whatever his profession would have been. Amen. Jesus calls this man that has a withered hand to, 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 come, to come forward and to stand in the midst because Jesus is going to heal him. But I wonder what actually caused this man to have a withered hand. The reason it says withered is because it once was whole. But now he finds himself in a condition that he has no use in his right hand anymore. He has no power in his hand anymore. And I, I can't help but wonder uh, this, this morning what actually caused that man's hand to wither. What kind of injury did he have to endure to his hand that would cause it to be in such a condition that he no longer had any use of his hand. Where did it happen? What 
was he doing when he lost the use of his hand? And I, I can't help but think this morning that, that the pain of the injury that, that he, that, that, that he uh, succumbed to on the job or wherever he was, whatever he was doing when, when he had this injury, I can't help but to think the, the, the pain of the, the actual injury had to pale in comparison when compared to the agony of not having the use of his hand anymore. One pastor told me, I've heard him say it a couple times, but he says, I'm getting to the age, I'm so old that, that if it doesn't hurt, it doesn't work. <laughs> these young kids, they'll understand this one of these days. I was talking to at the, at, the, at the seminar this weekend. I was talking to another, another uh, man, another minister. And, yeah, and he said, yeah, I'm a, the older I get, the, you know, the, the more aches and the pains. And I'm not a young whippersnapper. I can't run and jump and all that stuff like I used to. I'm like, I hear you. <laughs> but I wonder, I kind of believe that the agony of waking up every morning with a hand that was useless, that had no power, that he had this condition, he... There was no, no strength there, no power there. I, I wonder if the agony of losing the hand was far greater pain, more painful than the actual pain of the injury itself. And I can't help but also think that there are people in the church and even in, in this world that, that they've gone through broken relationships and painful situations that has left some part of them in a in a catastrophic withered condition and they build up walls because they don't want to be hurt anymore and they build up walls and I'm not going to let anybody get close to me anymore because I've been hurt and I'm dealing with this pain and this agony and, and I'm talking I guess to myself this morning and as a principal of a high school continuation here in Bakersfield I, I see fam broken families and, and young people oh, well not this year I don't see them I, I see them on the computer Come with all kinds of broken conditions in their, in their families, broken homes, broken lives, addictions, all kinds of things. And they come, or they walk, they live every day, they wake up every morning with a condition with no power, no authority, no strength. And they're living in a withered condition. The Bible, throughout the Bible, it talks about stretching forth one's hand. And this week I was doing a study on this and I was, quite frankly, I was amazed. I know there's been many thousands and thousands, I'm sure, messages of preachers taking their text from this, from this text and preaching about withered hands and, and this kind of a condition over the th last 2,000 years. I know this has been preached over and over and over again, but, but, but I, I had to do a little study for myself. And we find that throughout the Bible, stretching forth, one's hand, especially the right hand, always denoted the rule of power and the exercising of one's authority. Stretching out the hand signified the rule of power, the authority. It, 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 it represents the supreme sense of omnipotence, of power. Stretching forth the hand. We can read many times, and I don't have time to get all of them, but I'll just give you a couple this morning. Just to prove the point that I'm trying to make. But you can read throughout the Bible that God stretched out his hand. And when he did so, it was signifying 
God's awesome power and omnipotence. In Jeremiah 32, 17, he says, O Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm. And there is nothing too hard for thee. Can I tell you, when God reaches his hand down to you and gets a hold of your life, there is nothing too hard for him. He can restore. He can heal. He can put your life together. If God gets a hold of your life, he does anything and all things. All things are possible. There's nothing too hard when God gets a hold of your life. Take people out of a bar room, off a bar stool, addicted to crack cocaine or whatever. He can take people off the gutter, out of the alley. Amen. He can, I'll just get, you just go down the line. He can take people out of any condition. Why? Because when he gets his hand on you, he can pull you up out of the miry clay and set your feet on the rock to stay. With God, all things are. Jeremiah said, there's nothing too hard for thee. I'm sorry if you're, so we have some new people here today, and, and I, I can't help get a little excited about the goodness of God and the power of His might. Because, you know, so they out there in the world, they don't know like we know what God's done for us. <laughs> they, they, they haven't experienced the hand of God reach down and pull them out and fill me with joy unspeakable and fully. They don't know like I know what God did for me. Jeremiah 27, 5, I have made the earth, the man and the beast that are upon the ground by my great power and by my outstretched arm. Isaiah 14, 27, for the Lord of hosts hath purposed and who shall disannul it? When God does something, you can't change it. And his hand is stretched out and who shall turn it back? When God gets his hand on something, there ain't nothing that can stop him. When God says, I'm going to turn your situation right side up, there ain't nothing that can stop him. When God says, I'm going to give you the victory that even overcometh this world, there ain't nothing that can stop him. Praise God. Jeremiah 21 and 5, God told the enemy of Israel, he said, I myself will fight against you with an outstretched hand and a strong arm, even in anger and in fury and in great wrath. Hey, when God... I, I, when God's for us, who can be against us? When God says, I'm fighting for you and I'm going to reach my hand out for you. Look out, honey. You better get out of his way. Amen. Jeremiah 15 to 6. Thou hast forsaken me, saith the Lord. Thou art gone backward. He was talking to some backsliders. Therefore will I stretch out my hand against thee and destroy thee. I am weary with repenting. I don't want God to ever get that way to me. And God says, I'm tired. Repenting, because you won't live for me. I'm just going to destroy it and destroy you. And we, we, nobody likes to hear that. We just want to hear, oh, God is love. He loves everybody. He does. But if people will decide not to live for him, look out. He's a God of mercy. You better get it while you can. Well, hello, somebody. Ezekiel 6 and 14, God says, So will I stretch out my hand upon them, talking about the enemy, and make the land desolate, yea, more desolate than the wilderness. Zephaniah 2.13, there's also, you can read one, you can read one, 
Zephaniah talks about it throughout the first chapter, couple chapters, but verse 13 of chapter 2, he will stretch out his hand against the north and destroy Assyria and will make Nineveh a desolation and dry like a wilderness. He said, when God stretches out his hand, you better look out. Because it signified God exercising his authority and his power. The right hand of God always signifies the power of God. Some people get this thing that there's three or four or five different persons on the throne. They say, well, the Bible says that Jesus sits at the right hand of God. Well, if, there's a right, if he's sitting at the right hand, who's sitting at the left hand and the right pinky toe and the left pinky toe and the right elbow and the left elbow and the right kneecap and the left kneecap? It is a figure of speech. The right hand always signifies the power. That's why Colossians 3 says, whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the precious name of Jesus Christ. When we pray, we pray in Jesus' name. When we baptize, we baptize in Jesus' name. Why? Because there's no other name name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's only the name of Jesus. Because the power of God is in the name. I'm thankful we are a people of the name. Can somebody say amen? Isaiah 5 and 25. I'm just setting the stage. I'm going someplace. I won't be real long today. You can say, thank you, thank you, Jesus. It's okay. God stretched out his hand over them and hath smitten them, and the mountains shaked. Ezekiel 14 and 9. God said, I will stretch out my hand against him and will destroy him. You understand, when God stretches out his hand, he's exercising authority and power. And so God commanded Moses, and we find the first time people stretching forth their hand, Moses was commanded by God when they were, when he, he had been in the wilderness, he comes back to Egypt, and he's getting ready to, God's getting ready to, to deliver his people out of uh, Egypt into the promised land, or in, at least into the wilderness for 40 years, and then into the promised land, and here comes Moses, and God tells him to stretch, in Exodus chapter 7, verse 19, God tells Moses, stretch out thy hand over the waters of Egypt, and they shall be blood. In Exodus 8 and 5, God says, Moses, stretch out thy hand over the streams and cause frogs to come up. In Exodus 8, 16, Moses, stretch out thy rod and smite the dust of the land and it shall be lice. In Exodus 9, 22, stretch out thy hand toward heaven and there shall be hell. God told Moses, hey, stretch out your hand, lift up the rod. Power. And every time Moses did that, there was a plague that fell over Egypt. You find where... They come to the Red Sea. They're getting ready to leave Egypt. And what does God say? He says, Moses, stretch forth your, thy hand with your rod. He stretches, and the Red Sea parted. Sometimes you just need to exercise the authority you have in him. When you come to your problems, I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus, and God is going to part the waters. God's going to make a way when there is no way. Why? Because I'm exercising the authority of God himself. Joshua chapter 8. They had just taken Jericho. The Lord tells Joshua, stretch out thy spear that is in thy hand against Ai. And when Joshua stretched out the spear that was in his hand against Ai, those in ambush arose quickly out of their place, and they ran as soon as he stretched out his hand and came into the city and took it. There were those that were there that were going to try to ambush him. But when he, exer- when he exercised the word of God and he stretched forth his hand, and what happened, what the enemy do? They took off running. You know what the enemy does when people get a hold of the name of Jesus and they begin to pray and they begin to have faith that God's going to set them free, God's going to deliver the enemy into their hand, the enemy takes off running like the coward he is. 
Praise God. And many other times, you find this concept of stretching out thy hand, signifying the power of God. In 1 Samuel 26, David was having a conversation with Abishai because David had come into the cave and had found Saul sleeping. And Abishai says, David, why don't you just kill him? Be done with it. Saul's been chasing you, been trying to kill you. You know what David said? The Lord forbid that I should stretch forth my hand against the Lord's anointed. He, David said, it is not my place to stretch forth my hand against the Lord's anointed. It's the hand of God that's going to do that. There are some things that God reserves for himself. Praise God. There are some miracles that we can pray, but if we don't pray in Jesus' name, it ain't going to happen. But we can pray and fast in the name of Jesus, and God himself will do the miracle. We don't do it. It's he that does the miracle. So a withered hand represents a lack of power. And in our text, going back to our text this morning, this man that's in the house of God, he's there in the right place at the right time, but he has a withered hand, a hand that has no power, no use. You see, and here's the problem, one of the problems with the withered hand is you have no power to grasp anything. The word of God can come forth, but you can't grasp it. Better be careful you don't have a withered hand or a withered spirit this morning because it's hard to grasp what God is trying to tell us when we have a withered spirit. When we allowed ourselves to wither and atrophy, spiritually speaking, a blessing will come by. But I can't grasp it because I've got a withered hand. I've got a bad attitude or a bad spirit. Oh, my pastor preaching this morning. An opportunity comes by, but you can't grab it because you have a withered hand. Can I use a baseball analogy? Is that all right? You know, baseball comes to me and. I used to play a little shortstop when I was skinny, and then they moved me to third base because I wasn't quite so skinny. There were times you had to barehand because you didn't have, you have to throw it across the diamond. You didn't have time to put it, scoop it with the glove. You had to barehand it. We call it barehanded, but you can't do that with a withered hand. You have no power to grasp anything. You can't pick anything up. I wonder how many blessings God wants to pour out in a, on the church, but there are people that have a withered spirit and a withered hand, and they, don't, they, they can't grasp what God is trying to bless them with. And then there's people that have withered spirits and withered hands, and they look at us in the church, and they look at us and they go, man, y'all crazy, shouting and jumping and dancing and Y'all look like you like a spiritual club. Yeah, we clubbing for Jesus now. They, they don't grasp the concept of, hey, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. All my sins are washed away. They're under the blood. But if, with a withered hand, they don't understand that they've not experienced the power of God in their life. But they can. <laughs> I said they can. A withered hand has no power to hold anything. 
Said his church is over. Say, what did pastor preach about? I don't know, something about a hand. <laughs> what, he, what, was he, what was he trying to say? I don't He's preaching to you. <laughs> Problem with a withered hand like this man had, he can't feel anything. Holy Ghost is moving, but I can't get into praise. I can't worship. I, I can't feel nothing. I've allowed my spirit to atrophy. I've allowed something to get inside my spirit to... Start naming certain things, and people are like, oh. They start pointing fingers. <laughs> Problem with a withered hand is you can't feel anything. And they can't, people don't worship with a withered hand. They, they're afraid people might see what I've got, so they try to hide it, and they walk normal. They try to walk like, if I just walk like this and, and I swing, nobody will really pay attention that I'm walking around with a withered hand or a wounded spirit, and I, everything looks okay, and I'm here at church, and I'm walking around, and I, every, just nobody, just don't pay attention to it, and just don't, just don't extend the right hand of fellowship because I, I, can't, I can't grasp anything. I can't use anything. It's just a withered hand. It, it, it's, it's good for nothing. I, We try to kid ourselves, we're walking around with a withered hand, and yet we think nobody will notice. It's kind of like the elephant in the room. Hey, that dude's got a withered hand. You ever do that? You walk, you're in the store at Walmart or in line at Walmart, and you see something that you shouldn't ought to be seeing, or you you never seen before, and you're like, You tell you who you're with, like, don't make eye contact, don't look now, but look at that dude over there on my right shoulder. You ever seen somebody that ugly? No. <laughs> Just trying to wake you up this morning. Reminds me of Brother Blackwood's story about Brother Castro, ventriloquist. Brother Castro, I don't remember, do you remember his, the dummy that he had? The, the real dummy, not... I don't remember the name, but you know, you know who a ventriloquist is where they can talk, but their mouth don't move? He was really good. And he was having a conversation with this dummy. That kind of makes me wonder who's the dummy, and if you're talking to somebody that ain't there. But anyway, and the dummy told Brother Castro, said, hey, man, look at that. Brother Blackwood looks like a million bucks or something like that. And he says, man, you ain't never seen a million bucks. He goes, that's right. Brother Blackwood looks like somebody I ain't never seen before. <laughs> Pretty close to it, something like that. It's like the elephant in the room. We, look at that. Don't, ain't never seen anybody do that before. People come in and look at us like that. We ain't never seen no Pentecostal. It's like people, people running in church. Hey, I ran the diamond. If I ran out there, why can't I run for him in here? Come on, I got excited when I beat the girls in playing Connect Four. I'd be like, yeah. Why can't I get excited about the goodness of Jesus? I see some of these young people get excited. What's that game? They've been playing. Yeah, what? That one. They're screaming, they're hollering, they're yeah. 
You should see Sister Brooklyn when she went. Like the Holy Ghost got a hold of her. But when Jesus does get a hold of her, ain't nothing like it. Here's the problem. God said, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. But it's hard to do anything for God if I'm walking around with a withered hand. I'm praying for the leadership of this church that God gives us a vibrant ministry. That we can work for the kingdom of God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We don't want no wimpy, weak. No withered hands. The Bible says the church has many members but one body. We cannot operate as God intended for us, the church, to operate if we have people in the church with withered hands. God intended for the fivefold ministry to be evident. God intended these signs and wonders shall follow them that believe. It's like I heard a, an old black preacher tell this story, tell it much better than I could ever tell it. And he said a, a man went, went to visit this church, he, visiting the town, and he went to this church, and he walked into this church, and we'll just call it the church of the first frigid air because it was icy, <laughs> it was cold, there wasn't nothing going on in this church. But they were playing, or singing uh, some, some praise and worship songs, and they started singing one of his old faithful that he just had to praise and worship. And he starts getting up, and he, you, know how, you know how Pentecostal Holy Ghost people do, they just, God was something and he started getting a little loud hallelujah yeah in this cold church one of the ushers came to this man and said hey you you you, you can't be doing that in here the man looked and said hey I got the Holy Ghost he goes you didn't get it here I'm thankful you can still get it here So the usher looked at him and said, not only did you not get it here, but you can't be in here because you didn't have a tie this morning. And the guy says, I, I, a tie? What are you talking about? He goes, I just came. I'm visiting out of town. You, you have to have a tie to be in this church. A tie? I ain't, he goes, I don't even have a tie. Even at home, I don't have ties. He said, well, you, the usher said, you, you can't be in here without a tie. You, you can't? No. So the man went out to his car, found some jumper cables and tied them around his neck and walked back in the church. The usher looked down and said, okay, but don't be starting nothing. I don't want to be in a church with a withered hand that can't start nothing. I wanna, I'm going thankful I'm in a church that knows how to praise and worship and get a hold of God so that when the Spirit of God begins to move, there's a spirit of liberty. There's a spirit of deliverance. That God can move in with His right hand of power and heal people and deliver people. In Jesus' name. Somebody shout hallelujah. 
Amen. Amen. Don't be starting nothing. I came to church to start something. When I come tonight, I'm coming to start something. God inhabits the praises of his. When you come and you praise, forget about what everybody else. If somebody wants to come to church with a withered hand, God can restore them. But if they want to leave the same way, that's up to them. But guess what? I'm going to praise and worship God. Amen. Jesus told the man in our text with the withered hand, he said, stretch forth thy hand. The word stretch forth, literally the Greek word there is ektino. It means to extend. Sometimes you have to extend yourself. <laughs> Sometimes I have to extend myself in my praise. Sometimes I have to extend myself in my faith. Sometimes I have to extend myself in my worship to receive the blessing and the power of God. And Hello? I like what Brother Hopkins told us a couple weeks ago. His best definition between, or the difference between praise and worship is that worship will always cost you something. Nature can praise. The stars, we were talking about that, Brother The stars praise. They send out frequencies. Even the rocks send frequencies out and let other frequencies bounce off them and reflect everything. The trees can praise, nature praise. But God put a soul in us that we can choose to go beyond praise and worship. But the problem with someone that has a withered hand or a withered spirit has a hard time praising and worshiping God. Because they can't extend themselves. Sometimes you have to extend yourself and your faith to receive the very blessing that God has in store for you. Blind Bartimaeus, is he sitting there on the side of the road at Jericho? Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. They said, uh, you need to be quiet. You're causing a scene. The Bible says, so he cried so much, the more. He had to extend himself. And when he extended himself and got louder, Jesus stopped. You see, he will always stop and take time for somebody that's willing to extend themselves to him. Because if you'll extend yourself unto the Lord, he'll extend mercy and grace unto you. He said, hey. Get Bartimaeus over here. And they said, Bartimaeus, be of good cheer, for he calleth for you. And Bartimaeus took his beggarly garment and he laid it down. He said, I'm not going to need this anymore. He was a blind man. He was a beggar. And he makes his way to where Jesus was. And Jesus extended his hand and healed him and delivered him of his blindness. And blind Bartimaeus was no longer blind, but he was seeing Bartimaeus. He was no longer withered, but he was whole. Why? Because he was willing to extend himself. And I felt Tuesday night very strongly in my spirit. Matter of fact, I, I told, I, I don't know who, maybe it's Brother Tracy, but right, at, right up here I said, I, 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 man, I feel like something I'm almost going to, I almost just stopped the, the, or at the end of the men's, with just the men down here praying, I was like, I almost just went ahead and started preaching right there, but I, I felt a, a check, and I said, it's, it's going to be for Sunday morning. But I feel this morning there is a call from the Lord 
to somebody that, that needs a touch from him, all you need to do is stretch forth thy withered hand. This man in our text, he comes to the house of God. You're in the right place this morning. If you've got something in your life this morning, I believe God can restore. One of the songs they were singing about it, talked about it. He probably didn't realize, but in between the songs, uh, Brother Josh, Brother Scott was talking about it. And he said, I don't know if you guys caught it, but I caught it because I knew what I was fixing to preach. I already got the notes. And he said, you just need to reach out. God is trying to tell somebody this morning, if you would reach out to me, I'll reach down to you. If you'll reach with your withered condition to me, I'll reach down to you and I will restore your withered situation. I can restore your family. I can restore your health. I can. I want to say all these things just fill in the blank because you know what it is that you're dealing with that's withered in your life. Maybe it's a calling but the Bible says the calling of God, the gifts of God are without repentance. I'm telling you, God wants to restore somebody this morning. I feel this with everything that's, everything that's within me right now. I feel God wants to restore somebody this morning. I didn't think I'd be yelling this morning, to be honest. I thought, this is what I feel in my spirit. And, but I am, I am very animated today because... Somebody has a withered condition. But the good news is it doesn't have to stay that way. God wants to restore. He wants to make you whole. And the cool thing about this man, he didn't allow his condition to keep him out of the house of God. And here you are this morning. There was a woman that had an issue with her back. The Bible says she was bowed over for 18 years. She was walking around like this, but she kept going to church. One day she goes, and guess what? Jesus showed up. Can I tell you, Jesus showed up to this place this morning. The Holy Ghost is here right now, whether you feel it or not. And if you can't feel it, it might be because you've got a withered condition. But I'm telling you, if you'll reach your withered condition, whether you feel it or not, God's able to restore. God's able to heal. God's able to make you whole. Restoration literally means it's the act of returning something to a former owner, place, or condition. It is the act of returning. God can take whatever withered condition you're dealing with in your life, and He can restore it to the condition it once was. He can give you peace of mind. He can heal your body. Cool thing about the man with the withered hand and the lady with the bowed over back condition, they didn't let their condition keep them out of church. She was like, I got a hangnail, Pastor, I can't make it to church. There's people that would walk miles to get to have the privilege of being in a Pentecostal apostolic church in some countries because that's not allowed there. Don't let your condition. Be careful. We, if you're sick and you got COVID-19, we prefer you quarantine yourself. We're not talking about that. But I, 
Part of me says, but God can heal that too. God, it's not like God can't get, he can heal everything but except for COVID-19. My dad was cross-eyed until he was 11. Cross-eyed, had glasses, walked around like this. Until he was 11 and God healed him like that. God can do anything. I said, God can do anything. With God, all things are. But maybe, you see, it's, it's easier. Here's, here's the thing, Here, and, and, and I'm closing. Somebody come play something. Give them hope. It's, it's harder to, to conceal a physical witherness than it is a mental or a spiritual one. Because on the outside, everything looks like it's work, working and functioning as it should. People come to church, everything's good. But on the inside, they're dealing with hurt and brokenness and and I go back to the same questions that I asked. I wonder what it was that hurt this man that caused him to have a withered hand. I wonder who got hurt even in the church. Because now they've got a wounded spirit or a withered spirit because somebody did them wrong in the house of God. Can I tell you? That's a withered condition, but God can restore. Well, what is God going to do about them? Hey, you know what? Let God take care of them. I'm, you need to get your withered condition taken. You need to be made whole for yourself. Who cares what? Hello? I'm looking over here for help. Come on. They're looking over there for help. I wonder how many people have come to a church with withered dreams, withered callings, withered gifts, withered purpose, withered aspirations, withered hopes. I don't know how many are here this morning with a withered dream, withered aspiration, withered hope. But, but, but I, I, I do know that he's here. <laughs> and the Lord is, is able, if you'll just stretch forth, if you'll just reach your condition, give your condition to him. Pastor, I'm dealing with this in my life. I've got this condition. Nobody sees it on the outside, but I deal with it on the inside. If you would just give it to him. I feel this this morning. Nobody else may even know the withered, the withered hand that you've been walking around with. Nobody else may even see it. No one has paid attention to it. Nobody even realized that you've been hurt. That you, but you've got that withered, that withered hand, that was spiritual witheredness. Maybe it's a calling that God's called you to something, but yet mistakes and failures and you've fallen down and, and, and life hasn't been. And all these things, we can just go on and on, all the reasons why, but we're withered. I just want to encourage somebody, not that you're a bad person, you're not wrong with God, you're right with God. I just, hey, I'm telling you, God can restore the gift. God can restore the calling. God can restore the purpose. 
stepped on people that were called to preach, made a mistake, and they failed. Hey, but you know what? Now they're preaching again. Why? Because God is a God of restoration. It's a, he's a God of bringing people back in right condition. People with withered situations and withered homes and broken relationships, and yet God can restore and put them back in a family that's whole and new. But here's the key this morning. Jesus told the man with a withered hand, and I haven't asked you to stand because there's a reason why God wants us to sit right now. Because this is, this is, he took, he, he looks out there and he tells the man, he says, once you, the one with the withered hand, you have to arise. And you have to come stand in the midst. And if you'll arise and you'll stand in the midst. See, we, we don't do this a lot. We don't put people on the spot. But God said, hey, you with the withered hand. And I don't know who you is this morning, but God knows if you got a withered hand, he said, if you'll stand and you'll come stand in the midst, and that's what this altar is for this morning. God, I believe, is going to, if you'll reach your withered condition unto him, God wants to reach down and make your withered condition, whatever it is, he wants to make you whole. What you can do this morning is every head is bowed, every eye is closed. I'm wondering, because nobody needs to know, but this is between you and Jesus. I, I, I really feel this this morning. God's asking somebody, if you'll just arise and you'll come and stand in the midst, God is going to restore anointing. He's going to restore favor. He's going to restore purpose. He's going to restore you as you once were in right standing and condition. Nobody looking around. She begins to sing. We're going to pray that God would restore those that have come up this morning, that have arise, arisen. And as you stretch forth, lift up your hands unto the Lord this morning. What I'm going to ask now is the church family to come. Would you find one or two? And would you pray that God would restore such a one? The Bible says, you that are spiritually able, restore such a one. Church, come on, let's pray for a spirit of restoration. Come on, be the instrument of the Lord. Let God use you. Let the Holy Ghost flow through you this morning to pray for one another.